Chapters seventeen and eighteen of the clock struck one by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seventeen A Story of the Past. My mother, echoing Lady Burville's exclamation, Dora stepped backward and surveyed with amazement the weeping woman kneeling at her feet. The situation perplexed her she could not believe that lady burville spoke truly in claiming so close a relationship and deemed that it was some trick to avert the danger of being arrested for the crime she frowned as this thought came into her mind and turned away coldly i do not believe you lady burville my parents are dead your father is dead said lady burville rising slowly but your mother lives i am really and truly your mother why should i say what is not true oh you have enough excuse to do so said dora quietly you hope to close my mouth and escape the consequences of your crime my crime you believe then that i killed mr edermont i do you were in the room alone with him and left the house hurriedly when dr scott was coming from canterbury he met you he met me twice said lady burville calmly once when i was coming from chillam and again when he assisted me to repair my bicycle then you do not deny that you were at the red house no i can hardly do so in the face of the discovery of the pearl brooch it is mine i thought i had lost it on the road but as it was found in mr edermont's study i admit that i was there on the night of the second of august if i were guilty i would not admit as much even to my own daughter i am not your daughter give me some proof that you are my mother what proof do you want asked lady burville helplessly you cannot alter existing facts if you choose to listen i can tell you so much of my history as may convince you that what i say is true she seated herself on a near sofa and put a frivolous lace handkerchief to her eyes dora looked at this woman so frail so helpless so devoid of brain and courage and pity entered her soul if this was indeed her mother the relationship was nothing to be proud of and yet would she confess to such a thing if it were not true dora could not answer this question and resolved to suspend her judgment until she heard the promised story with some pity she seated herself beside the feeble little woman i am willing to hear your story she said kindly but first you must assure me of your innocence innocence oh as to the murder yes i am innocent i never touched julian i did not kill him i would not kill a fly who says i'm guilty dr scott saw i know he saw me interrupted lady burville impatiently i do not deny it but did he see the dead body of mr edermont since he is so sure of my guilt he found your brooch lying by the dead body ah and what was he doing at the red house on that night when i left julian he was alive and well no doubt dr scott killed him and blames me for the crime i do not believe that said dora decidedly allan is innocent you think so because you love him said lady burville bitterly no doubt you are right my dear but if he is innocent who is guilty not i not don't look at me like that dora i swear i did not kill julian how dare you accuse your mother of such a horrible thing you forget i am not yet prepared to accept you as my mother i do not see why you should said lady burville quietly 
i have not acted the part of a mother towards you but what could i do julian took you away from me when you were a year old had mr edermont the right to do so yes he was my husband your husband cried dora in astonishment do you mean to say that mr edermont was my father i say nothing of the sort retorted lady burville impatiently julian was my second husband you were the offspring of my first then my father is dead no he isn't i am sure i don't know i thought he was but it seems he isn't said lady burville incoherently oh dear oh dear what a tangle it all is i cannot understand said dora in perplexity perhaps if you tell me your story from the beginning i may gather what you mean i shall tell you as much as suits me replied lady burville but i cannot tell you all it is too terrible she shuddered and looked round perhaps you may be able to help me dora i am in the power of a man of what man of augustus pallant you know he was down at hernwood with me oh my dear he is a terrible man and he knows all knows all what all my story all your story all julian's story he threatened to tell my husband here her eyes wandered to the stern-faced portrait i am so afraid of my husband she said with a burst of tears and mr pallant is merciless oh my dear my dear if you could only help me tell me your story and i may be able to do so said dora cheerfully she was beginning to believe that lady burville spoke truly and that she was really her mother it seemed doubtful as to whether she was guiltless or guilty and dora was prepared to hear both sides of the question before judging but even if lady burville proved the truth of her assertion dora was not prepared to take her for a parent and be sentimental over the discovery mother and daughter had been so long parted and estranged that no revival of the maternal or filial feeling was possible dora pitied her mother she was sorry for her but she did not love her in the meantime lady burville told her story in her usual flippant manner with many tears the woman's nature was shallow in the extreme i was married to your father at an early age she said he was a sea captain and immediately after the honeymoon he went to sea i lived at christchurch in hans while he was away mr edermont was there also is not edermont a feigned name asked dora suddenly how clever you are said her mother yes mr edermont's real name was dargill julian dargill he was an old admirer of mine and wanted to marry me but i was forced by my parents to become the wife of george carew then i am really and truly dora carew of course your father's name well after a few months i received news that my husband's ship was lost off the coast of africa all hands were drowned except the first mate he was saved and brought the story to england so you see my dear i was a widow six months after marriage are you sure that my father was drowned demanded dora doubtfully i am coming to that said lady burville impatiently he was said to be drowned and after a year of mourning i married dargill you married julian edermont yes what else could i do i was comparatively poor i had no friends to speak of dargill was rich so i married him we were quite happy he and i and he was very fond of you my dear 
oh i was born then said dora rather naively it must be confessed certainly don't i tell you i married dargill a year after your father died eighteen months after my first marriage well we were happy and then your father returned he also had been saved by some natives who detained him on the gold coast he managed to escape and return to england of course he sought me out at christchurch and then my dear added lady burville impressively there was trouble between my father and mr dargill alias edermont yes dargill was away at the time and they never met he was a coward you know my dear and afraid of your father's violent temper and he had a violent temper truly awful dargill fled to america george carew followed him then dargill escaped him in san francisco and returned to england he wrote to me from london and offered me an annuity if i would let him take you away and you did said dora reproachfully what could i do said her mother fretfully i was poor without dargill's money i could hardly keep you alive and carew had left me in his search for dargill i accepted the annuity and let you go then dargill disappeared and i never heard of him again till i saw him in chillum church did you make no attempt to find him asked dora coldly no why should i have done so said lady burville he was not my real husband you know since my first your father my dear was alive i never wanted to set eyes on dargill again i am sure he got me into enough trouble as it was he absolutely worried me into marrying him and as he was rich i thought it best to do so we should have been happy enough if captain carew had not proved to be alive then i wished i hadn't married dargill because you loved my father so no it wasn't that exactly babbled lady burville with great simplicity but carew had a dreadful temper and i thought he might kill me however he was more angry at dargill than at me and if he had caught him i really believe he would have killed him but dargill got away he was an artful little creature but a frightful coward i don't know how i ever came to marry such a mouse of a man you forget he was rich dora could not forbear making this satirical remark every word that came out of lady burville's mouth showed her to be a vain shallow fool a heartless woman who cared more for dress and gaiety and money than anything else on the whole dora thought it was just as well that dargill alias edermont had taken her away she never would have got on with so frivolous a parent as lady burville you are right he was rich said her mother artlessly i married him for his money and never saw him after he left me for at least twenty years i did not mind much but i did get a shock when i saw him in chillum church i recognized him at once in spite of his beard he had always white hair you know and that was why you fainted i suppose said dora bitterly no doubt you are my mother but you have acted anything but a mother's part towards your child lady burville whimpered and tried to take dora's hand the girl drew away coldly she could not feel any love for this weak little woman who had acted so despicable a part go on with your story lady burville she said calmly what of my father i heard nothing of him for some time dora said her mother displeased at the lack of affection displayed by her newly found child then i saw a paragraph in an american paper which said that he was dead oh yes there could be no doubt about it 
the name George Theophilus Carew was given in full. It's not a common name, you know. I was satisfied that he really was dead. And you married again. What could I do? I was poor, said Lady Burville, for the third time giving her childish excuse. Yes, I married Sir John Burville. He is a cruel and violent-tempered man, but he has plenty of money, and he is good to me. And you are happy, said Dora, scornful of the weak nature which could draw happiness out of such misery. Quite happy, at least, I was, till Augustus Pallant came. When did he come, and who is he? He came about two years ago from America. He told me that my husband was not dead, and that I had committed bigamy. I had to pay him to be quiet. He has cost me a lot of money. And knowing this, you still live with a man who is not your husband. Yes, I am not going back to poverty, said her mother defiantly. I shall remain Lady Burville till I die. Pallant knew all my story. Carew told it to him. He found out that Dargill was living near Canterbury under the name of Edermont. He induced me to go down to Hernwood Hall and took me to Chillum Church. There I saw Dargill and fainted. Of course, it was all done on purpose. The brute! Mr. Edermont fainted also, said Dora. He was afraid. I know he was. He was afraid lest Carew should find him out and kill him. He lived in a state of perpetual dread, for he told me so on the night I saw him. Why did you go to the Red House at so late an hour? asked Dora. Dargill sent me a note stating that he wanted to see me. I went. What could I do? He might have told Sir John about my past. Oh, yes, I went. And Dargill told me that Pallant had been at him for a parcel of letters, an old correspondence between Dargill and myself. Pallant wanted to get them to increase his hold over me and wring money out of me. But Dargill, coward as he was, acted very well. He gave me the letters himself. That was why he sent for me. I went, I got the letters, and I came away. When I left the house, Dargill, or Edermont, as he called himself, was as well as you or I. But when Allen went into the study after you left it, he found Mr. Edermont dead and the bureau robbed. Then if Dr. Scott did not kill him, someone else must have done so. But Allen had no reason to kill him, argued Dora. No, said Lady Burville, but Carew had. My father? Yes, I believe that my first husband killed my second. In a word, George Carew killed Mr. Dargill. Chapter 18 Pallant Makes a Statement Dora did not remain long with Lady Burville after she had heard the story, nor did her mother desire her to stay. There was no love lost between them, therefore there was no joy at their meeting, no sorrow at their parting. Lady Burville considered her daughter to be cold, proud, and unsympathetic. Dora saw that Lady Burville was a weak and frivolous fool whom she would neither respect nor love. They parted with a feeling of mutual relief, but not before Lady Burville had extracted a promise of silence. "'You must say nothing about what I've told you to anybody,' she said imploringly. "'My husband would never forgive me if he found out my past history. "'I told it to you so as to clear myself in your eyes as to the murder. "'Only Pallant knows my story, and he will keep silent while I give him money. "'As you are my child, you must be silent also. "'Say nothing, nothing. "'But I wish to find out who killed my guardian.' 
said Dora. I tell you it was Carew. No one else had any reason to kill him. If you denounce Carew, you will hang your own father. Promise me to be silent. I promise, said Dora curtly, and took her leave in the calmest manner. She returned to Selling, and thence rode to Chillum on her bicycle. It was close on eight before she got home, and she found Joad waiting for her at the gate. He looked pleased to see her, and wheeled the machine into the grounds. "'You are late,' said he, following her every movement with greedy eyes. "'I hope you had a pleasant day with your friend.' "'Very pleasant, Mr. Joad. Good night. I am tired.' She walked off with a stiff nod and left her elderly lover looking after her with a rather sulky expression. He had missed her greatly during the day and resented her departure when he wanted to have a little chat before retiring to his own domicile across the road. "'Never mind,' chuckled Joad, rubbing his hands. "'She'll have to marry me or see Alan Scott in jail as a murderer. And when we are man and wife, I'll find out some way to tame her proud spirit.' dora partook of supper with mrs tice but answered that good lady's questions in a perfunctory manner the housekeeper was anxious and uneasy the visit of dora to town struck her as strange the more so as she connected it with recent events before departing dora had promised an explanation of her movements and mrs tice waited for the fulfilment of that promise but dora said nothing she ate her supper talked on general subjects and finally took herself off to bed without a word of explanation Mrs. Tice was annoyed. "'Miss Carew,' she said, following her to the door, "'I beg your pardon, but you promised to tell me why you went up to town today.' "'Did I?' said Dora carelessly. "'I've changed my mind, then.' "'I do not see why you should keep me in the dark, miss,' exclaimed the housekeeper in a mortified tone. "'If you cast back your memory to our last conversation, you will see, Mrs. Tice. "'You are keeping me in the dark.' So, by acting in the same way towards you, I am only giving you a Roland for an Oliver. All the same, you could do worse than ask my advice, Miss Carew. I have asked it, and you refuse to help me. Now I must see after things in my own way. You will get into trouble if you are not careful, said Mrs. Tice sharply. It will be no thanks to you if I do not, retorted Dora bitterly. You have refused to help me. What would you have me do, girl? cried mrs tice forgetting her respect in her anxiety i dare not tell you what i know mr allen made me promise to be silent allen is acting in a very foolish manner and so are you said dora quietly you seem to think that i am a child to whom no secret can be confided in ordinary cases this would not matter to me as i am the least curious of women but as my happiness is at stake i must strive to learn what you would want concealed it will do you no good if you do find out said mrs tice sullenly perhaps not but at least its discovery will throw a light on the mystery of this murder there you are wrong miss carew it will do no such thing dora had argued this point before therefore she made no reply and with a weary nod prepared to leave the room again mrs tice laid a detaining hand upon her sleeve tell me my dear said she timidly what is it mr allen said to you about the murder you had better ask him mrs tice it is no good coming to me unless you tell me what you know i shall keep silent as to my knowledge does mr allen know anything about this crime 
yes he does he knows a great deal does he know who killed mr edermont he does and you know also no no i-i do not gasped mrs tice shrinking back my knowledge has nothing to do with the matter has your knowledge anything to do with my father mrs tice gasped again and sank into a chair for a moment she closed her eyes and when she opened them again dora was gone the housekeeper wiped her face who can have told her about her father she meditated if she gets to know about him there will be trouble then she drank a glass of water and put away her work but her thoughts wandered what has come to her she said to herself again as she made all safe for the night there is a worried look on her face an anxious expression in her eyes and why did she go up to london can she have learnt anything about the past no no mr allen knows it mr joad knows it and myself none of the three will tell her still that question about her father it is very very strange in the meantime dora was leaning out of her bedroom window looking into the soft darkness of the night overhead the sky was fleecy with clouds between the rifts of which twinkled the cold stars and below between the tree-tops and dry grass hovered the thick gloom of night she could see nothing in the shadows all was indistinct as unknown as strange as this mystery which was torturing her life she had gone seeking and she had learnt much that her mother lived and her father that the latter had been the incarnation of the deadly fear which had haunted dargill alias edermont throughout his long life no wonder he had changed his name had hidden himself in the red house had prayed for deliverance from murder and sudden death when a man of violent passions had hunted him hot-footed throughout the world dora remembered what a despicable coward the dead man had been and no longer marvelled at his fears but what she did wonder at was the change that had come over edermont after pallant's visit then he had declared that the shadow was lifted from his life that he could henceforth mix with his fellow-men and dwell in safety such joy could only mean that his enemy was dead yet edermont was dead also of the very death he feared and there was no doubt in dora's mind that her father had killed him it seemed a cruel thing for after all in marrying her mother edermont or dargill as he was called had sinned unconsciously why should her father have so ardently desired his death dora began to think that her mother had not told her all that there was something still hidden a something which might account for the persistent desire of carew for the death of edermont again she had not asked her mother what was the bar which existed to prevent her marriage with allen dora thought her mother knew this and might reveal the obstacle but then she would be forced to tell the portion of her story which she had hidden would she do so dora was doubtful for the weak little coquette was as strong as steel in aught that concerned herself unblinded by filial love dora estimated her mother's character at its true value there was no further hope of learning the truth in that quarter and who then would tell her allen joad mrs tice she would be forced to ask one of the three to speak since she knew so much she might as well know more and a fuller knowledge might enable her to save allen to marry allen to revenge the death of edermont and to win the fifty thousand pounds but yet all dreams dreams vain vain dreams sighed dora 
and went to bed in as hopeless a frame of mind as can well be imagined fate always arranges matters much better than ourselves here was dora at a dead stop she knew not what to do or in which direction to turn it seemed that no one would advise her as to the future and that she must be content to lose allen and accept the humiliating position of joad's wife but while she was stealing her heart to face this dreary prospect fate was at work and next morning pallant appeared he came to point out the road dora was surprised when mrs tice informed her that a gentleman wished to see her she was still more surprised when pallant was shown into the morning-room where she sat the old supercilious look was on his face the old cynicism was looking out of his blue eyes and as he stood bowing with the strong sunlight glittering on his red beard he looked as worldly and evil a man as could be imagined dora remembered how he had extorted money from her weak mother for over two years and rose to meet him with a stern face what has brought you here sir she asked coldly you have said pallant calmly taking a seat i saw lady burville yesterday and she gave me the gist of your conversation i do not see how it can interest you said she contemptuously you cannot get out of me what i have not got i am poor mr pallant more's the pity he replied quite indifferent to her shaft with your beauty and my brains we might do worse than marry 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 you i forgot you are in love with that foolish young doctor he said in his sleepy voice that is a pity at our first meeting i warned you to beware of allan scott i know you did why did you warn me ah i see your mother did not tell you everything miss carew else you would not ask me such a question i warned you lest you should give him your heart it would be foolish to do so because you can never marry him why that is my secret i don't tell you all i know it is not worth my while dora looked at him scornfully it is worth your while to blackmail my mother it pays it pays said pallant shamelessly i must live you know lady burville is greatly afraid of her present husband so she keeps me well supplied with money to hold my tongue where did you learn my mother's history said dora disgusted with this brutal speech from the best of all authorities her first husband my father your father george theophilus carew i met him in san francisco some years ago he was a drunkard and a gambler miss carew we had some dealings over cards for you must know that i am a gambler also though it is to my credit that i don't drink one day in a fit of maudlin fear he told me his story and how he was seeking for julian dargill mr edermont precisely the man who had taken away his wife he wanted to kill him to kill him echoed dora starting and and did did my father succeed in carrying out his intention was it george carew who killed mr edermont not exactly miss carew responded pallant dryly for the simple reason that before your father could accomplish his object he died himself died himself is my father dead dead and buried said pallant concisely dead and buried
End of chapters 17 and 18